0: Anian. They're predicting a shortage of up to 175,000 truck drivers. And I said to myself, if we're that short on drivers, how short are we going to be on mechanics to actually fix them? The Car Doctor. The dashboard light is on all the time, check engine. That's not necessarily going to be related. Where I would go with this, you probably have a bad multifunction switch. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, The Car Doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Ronnie. It's time to start your engines. 855-560-9900. Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor rolling along this hour here to talk to you about your car problems, whatever they might be. 855-560-9900. The Car Doctor's 24-7 toll-free hotline. Give us a call, leave a message, and we'll get you in queue and talk to you about your car and its problem, whatever it might be. Keep in mind, too, that you can call 855-560-9900 and leave a message. When I say 24-7, what I mean by that is that you can leave a message Tom Ray or Motorhead Matt will call you back and get you in lineup for the next live show. We are live on the network Saturday afternoons, 2 to 4 p.m and we are on delayed broadcast on some of the affiliates around the country and uh, podcasting around the world now, and we can uh, we can get back to you and get you in queue. We can talk about your problem here on air, and I know, you know, being on radio can be a big deal and make you nervous, but the bottom line is I'm just trying to help as many people as I can, and, uh, you know, it's the same thing with your emails. If you send me an email, ron at cardoctorshow.com, and if you don't get an answer, chances are I'm answering it here on air because I thought it was a very worthwhile question, and, and in the sense that it will help a lot of people because I'm trying to give out as much information as I possibly can during the course of the day and week and month and so forth so um, just be aware of that Ron at CardoctorShow.com and of course podcasting for all of you CardoctorShow.com and we're we're, we're trying to simplify it just go to CardoctorShow.com you can get the podcasting there and sometime this week he turned his head and looked at Mr. Ray and said will there be a subscribe button there perhaps by chance maybe Hmm actually there will be uh, as of today when we uh, when I make the changes on the
1: website uh, when you go to the uh, podcast page you have the choice of downloading or subscribing to the RSS feed
0: so it'll be there automatically oh yeah we've automated it yes finally
2: well you, theoretically you, you, you click you click subscribe it takes you there I mean you've you as the consumer have to put it in because it's not standard for
0: every RSS reader and program out there but yeah I mean it's right. there once you subscribe once you get it into your system you're done it'll work better than a self-driving car and anything would work better than a self-driving car ooh i hear the phone ringing oh go get the phone so theoretically um i want to talk about scan tools well a couple of reasons why i want to. i just came from I went to the new snap-on the revolution as they call it snap-on has come out with a new scan tool called the revolution and it's uh, well, not the revolution they're calling it a revolution they're calling it the Zeus scan tool and I sat through the hour presentation and it was it's interesting what they're doing is they've taken their current level scan tool virus and they have smartened it up in a sense So if you have a fault code P0171 on a 2008 Chevy Silverado, it will gather all known pattern failures, any TSBs, um, repair procedures, all the information. It gathers it into one spot, and it leads you through a diagnostic routine, one piece of the puzzle at a time. Kind of a neat idea. And I think they're going in the right direction, but there's a couple of holes in it that I didn't understand in the class and I raised my concern and needless to say they were happy when I left. One of the things the tool does wrong is it analyzes the data only at idle. So it it's, you know, it you'll group your PIDs, it'll group group your parameters. Your, your pieces of information that you want to look at, it groups them, you know, by, by failure. So if it's a P0171, it's going to call up fuel trim and RPM and coolant temp and things of that nature, and it will then show you by red or blue color, red meaning failure, blue meaning it failed at one point or it's suspect, and it's part of that package that it's something to pay attention to. But it only analyzes the data at idle. And that's the part that I had a problem with because, as I pointed out to the the instructor, I said, but what about the problems like a mass airflow sensor underperformance, you know, driving down the road at 52 miles an hour? How does it work? Well, it won't work there. You have to make your phone a hotspot. Yeah, but because it has to be connected to the Internet. Yes, but if my phone has to be connected to the Internet and I can make it a hotspot, but it only analyzes the information at idle. So what good is it cruising down the road at speed? That didn't make any sense to me. The cost to operate it didn't make a lot of sense to me. All of a sudden, we became a $16,000 scan tool for one tool. And while we all know the cost of tooling is going through the roof, it, um, it, 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 it seems like they're going in the wrong direction. The biggest problem, I, I think, with the new Snap-on Zeus... And I should point out, we've we've reached out to Snap-on. Nobody's gotten back to us to want to respond to any of this. The biggest problem I see with the Snap-on Zeus is this is going to become man versus machine again. They're They're attempting to, for lack of a better word, dumb down the industry. They're gearing this towards, you know, those techs that are looking for the silver bullets that don't really want to take the time to diagnose something and resolve it by step-by-step calculation and diagnosis. There's nothing you can't do with a zeus that you can do on your own it's it's really that simple it's not it's not that it has all the answers it's putting all the information in one place it's making it a little easier a little bit more efficient but the cost factor is is what really has me scratching my head because here's the rub for all you repair shop owners out there the next evolution of scan tool is going to be something as close to as if not oe level tooling We are going to see, from all the sources I've talked to, we are going to see some issues with web security and scan tool security. And all of this started as a result of the Jeep hack. If you want to see what I'm talking about, go out to YouTube and Google search, just search rather, I'm sorry, not Google, but search on YouTube for Jeep, J-E-E-P hack, Jeep hack. And there's a video there that shows how two computer programmers break into the operating system of a late-model Jeep Grand Cherokee and cause it to steer and stop and accelerate and control the vehicle with somebody in it. Federal government had an issue with that. They realized that is grounds for a terrorist attack, and they have now required car manufacturers to put encryption and further defensive measures against hacking of vehicles into the vehicle systems. Going forward, 2018 is one of the first years you're going to see this on board on Chrysler from everything I've read and heard. So the concern becomes, will aftermarket scan tools have access to it? Will that be the point of lockout? The answer is nobody seems to know. But I would be cautious about spending 16 grand on a scan tool with such limited functionality in my mind in terms of, you can do everything you can with sixteen grand there and then some. Think of the scan tools, identifix, all data, Mitchell, all the information systems you can purchase prior to spending that kind of money and learning how to diagnose a car. Nothing replaces a thought process being logical, because here's why. If you get in the habit of being lazy and looking for that silver bullet fixing a car, and when you're using that scan tool, Now, all of a sudden, if somebody hands you a problem and says, hey, the left headlight doesn't come on, you can't plug a scan tool in for that. You've got to know that you've got to look at at, at information sources. You've got to know how to read a wiring diagram. You're going to have to know how to, you know, do some research. And that's part of being a good technician today, being a good diagnostician. They say, and I'm going to class three times this week, so I'll have more information about it. They say that having... And spending 45 minutes for the first hour of a diagnostic routine is not uncommon today because of the complexity of automobiles. And that's something you've really got to think about it, 45 minutes. So if you're not doing research for that length of time, if you're not studying the problem before attempting to repair the problem, you're doing yourself and the customer a big disservice. And my fear is that a tool like the Zeus, great idea, right church, wrong pew. Um, it's going to teach the techs that haven't and don't want to go to class how to take shortcuts. And I think ultimately the consumer ends up paying for that in the long run because we're going to get a lesser quality of automotive technician out there than what we currently have. And um, a lot of times we can't afford that in a lot of ways. But um, just be aware. Snap on. Get it together. Um, I think you've got some work to do before you uh, can really say this is a revolution. It may cause one. But it clearly isn't one. eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. Ron and Andy, the car doctor, coming back right after this. Hey, welcome back, Ron and Andy, the car doctor. eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. Let's go over and talk to Eric in Louisiana. 08 Nissan Frontier and some questions about that, and eleven Nissan Ultima. Eric, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Thanks, Ron.
2: You're welcome. I just
3: have
2: a Couple questions on the. Uh, My Nissan Frontier, just like most uh, newer vehicles, have a fuel filter in the tank. Right. What is your opinion, speculation, about uh, putting in an inline fuel filter?
0: I don't think you need it. Because, you know, the filtration system is already there in the tank. The reason, do you know why they put all the fuel filters in the tank? Do you know the rationale behind that?
2: I have no idea.
0: Well, they, they, you know, it's probably 15 years ago now. If you noticed on, on... cars they did away with return lines and the reason they did away with return fuel lines you know they they pump so much fuel up to the front of the engine and then the excess would go back to the the excess would go back to the the tank by via return line and the reason they did away with the return line was because that return line runs the length of the car where if you notice they always tried to keep it away from the exhaust and the hot undercarriage but some days you just can't you can't change that, and now you're pumping all this superheated fuel back into the tank. And and the problem became that, you know, when you heat the fuel like that and put it back into the tank in that environment, you now raise the pressure level in the tank, and you c- create more fumes, and more fumes is more emissions, and more emissions is more pollution. So it, it became self-defeating. You've got an emission control that's creating emissions. So that's one of the reasons they went away with return lines. I mean, the second is a no brainer. They did away with return lines because it's one less part they had to make and charge you for, but they didn't lower the price of the car any, did they? They just keep raising the price of the car. Um, You know, it's, and they're still operating on the theory if that return line costs them 50 cents to make, 50 cents times a million cars is X number of dollars. That's one. Fuel filters are in the tank because the fuel filter, like the line, you know, it's exposed to the heat. And they feel like they've got filtration down to the point now where fuel filters in the tank are good for the life of the vehicle or until the point that the pump dies and then it gets changed with the pump. Uh, to date, I have never changed a fuel filter in the tank as part of the fuel pump assembly. Haven't had the need. So the, the, the theory and the engineering does hold up and does work. And, you know, it it, it, it does seem to make sense If if, if that helps you at all.
2: What I needed
0: to know. All right. So, hey, by the way, it's um, you, are, are, how are you down there in Louisiana? Well, you're right between you're right between uh, Hurricane Harvey and Hurricane Irma. I mean, are you guys affected by any of what's going on down there weather-wise? Nice sunny weather, yeah.
2: low humidity, for a change. Yeah. Great temperature.
0: Do you think you're being anyway? On the, go ahead. I, I was going to say, do you I'm think sorry. you're? Do you think you're? I'm sorry. Do you think you're being influenced by Irma that your weather changed as a result?
2: I think. Uh, well, I don't know anything about meteorology but I think between the two hurricanes it's just producing good weather
0: yeah it just kind of pushed all the bad stuff out so um, you had a second question Eric
2: yeah uh, 2011 Nissan Altima my wife's car brought it in for a really good service a while back and uh, the book says it has an in cabin air filter correct but when he went to change it there was no in cabin air filter
0: that's kind of unusual.
2: He I mean, he tore he, he he yeah. the dashboard half apart before he figured out there wasn't one there.
0: Yeah, to my knowledge, well I guess maybe they there was up through oh eight, oh nine. Um I haven't done an eleven. It's usually right behind the glove box.
2: Yeah, I know. He he tore it all apart. There was nothing there. No box for it, no nothing.
0: Did he did he reference at all where it should be?
2: Well, I didn't get into great detail with him about it. He just told me the book said it was supposed to have one, and he didn't have a place to put it.
0: All right. So do this, Eric. You got email? Yes, sir. Send me an email, ron at cardoctorshow.com. Send me the VIN. Send me the 17-digit VIN of that vehicle. Okay. All right. And uh, let me do a little research on my side, because to my knowledge, an 11 Ultima should have a cabin filter. But okay, you know, I was just I was
2: curious about that, thought
0: of Yeah, it's nuts. I'm glad you did. I'm always I'm always you know because that to me is a step backwards. Cabin filters are something they've added, uh, you know. Oh, I, I mean, for the longest time now we've had cabin filters. They didn't put them in there. Why would they start to take it out? That doesn't make any sense. Um, and the reason I'm the reason I'm so adamant about it is if the car does have a cabin filter and he can't find it for some reason, if it's in a different spot. My concern is fifty or sixty thousand miles from now, your wife's going to be breathing in, you know, um, not good stuff. I had a yes, sir. I had, I'll tell you a quick story. I had a I had a I had lunch this week with someone, and uh, we finished with lunch, and he was telling me about his car and how the air conditioning didn't work right and the uh, sharp, acrid smell, and he had taken it to a bunch of people. And uh, this gentleman's in radio, and um, you know, we were talking about the radio show and some other things, and. He said, "Yeah, I can't seem to find anybody that can that can fix it. Do you think you could take a look at it?" I said, "Sure." We went back to the shop. I pulled the cabin filter out. If I'm lying, I'm dying, brother. There was about three eighths of an inch of dirt on top of this cabin filter. It was packed on this 20, 2011 Ford Edge. And he looked at me and he said, "How come nobody else could find that?" I just I don't know. To me, it's the most logical thing in the world. What else would it be? And my point is that cabin filters left unchecked. This car had 85,000 miles on it. The filter had never been changed. And it got to the point where he was breathing. It was just a sharp, acrid smell. It stunk every time he turned on the air conditioning. It's just not good for your health. That's why cabin filters are there. So if if the car has one, I want to find out. And if it doesn't, I want to find out why. Send me the VIN. I know some people at Nissan. I'll run the VIN, and I'll find out how that car was built. We'll go from there. Welcome, All right, sir. Thank you for taking my call. You're very welcome. You uh, you take good Thanks care of them. You're very welcome, sir. Yes, sir. Um, yeah, that's cabin filters are just too gosh darn important. They really are. There's um, one quick email I wanted to do here. This one kind of got my attention. We were talking before about self-driving cars and the podcast. I thought of this one. Um, hey, Ron, when the self-driving steering wheel self-driving steering wheel cars... Show up at your shop for an oil change, brakes, and tires. How will you drive it into the lift, Joe? You know, Joe, that's a good question. Um, the question I've got is, how will you get that self-driving car in when it's stuck on the road if there's no way to steer it? How will you? Yeah, right. How will you steer it? I don't know. Uh, you know, it it kind of becomes. I guess we're going to push it, but you know, how are we going to? Maybe they're going to. Maybe they're going to have an auxiliary steering wheel of some type in the trunk that. Uh, you know yeah tom you had a, you had a comment i was gonna say there's a lot of situations where you're going need to you're going to need to steer that car right yeah you, you know my wife and i were talking about this the other day when i when i go to visit a mountaintop site i want to be in control of that thing not some computer well there's that and there's also what will they do will they have an auxiliary steering column an auxiliary because the self-driving cars i see there's no steering column there's just you know, it's just it's 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 neutered. There's nothing there. Yeah, it's, it's weird. It's weird. So you know, it kind of does make you wonder how will you get it up on the air, and maybe that's part of the reason why it's going to be a long time before we see self-driving cars. They can sell us the bill of goods, but actually bringing it to fruition is a whole other story. Um, but great question, Joe. I love it. Eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. Running into the car doctor coming back right after this. Don't go away. Welcome back. We're on the the Car Doctor, 855-560-9900, 24-7 Car Doctor Hotline. Give us a call and let's talk about your car and its problem. Leave us a message during the week and one of us will get back to you and talk to you about it. Hey, a quick Car Doctor birthday shout out. Lieutenant Colonel Richard E., otherwise known as Dick Cole, turns 102 today. Lieutenant Colonel Richard Cole is the last of the Doolittle Raiders and uh, we just wanted to wish him... You know, all the best, and uh, here's to another 102 after, um, you know, he is the the last survivor of the 80 brave souls that uh, performed the Doolittle Raid at the beginning of the war in 1942. And uh, Lieutenant Colonel Richard Cole, 102, happy birthday, brother. So let's get over to the phones. Let's go over and talk to Mark, LaCrosse, Wisconsin, 67 Corvette, and um, a past caller and some conversation about that. Mark, welcome back to The Car Doctor, sir. What's going on?
3: Hi, Ron. Thanks for taking the call. Uh, I just wanted to give you some feedback. Uh, First of all, do you know where Point Pleasant, New Jersey is at? Sure.
0: Point Pleasant, New Jersey is about an hour and a half south of me.
3: That's where my car was delivered in 1967 at a place called Surf Chevrolet. Sure. Matter of fact,
0: yeah, I know where Surf Chevrolet is, as a matter of fact. Um, down there on yeah, the January
3: sixty-seven. Absolutely, I found that out. I went to NCRS, sent me the information, and I thought that was kind of neat. Thought I'd let you know. Yeah, that's kind of cool. area yeah. there.
0: It's kind of yeah, neat. I yeah. I got well, it
3: in it's... Denver, so it uh, it yeah. had a starting issue when it was hot, and I thought I'd let you know that we solved it by putting in a Jeg starter. Boy, what a difference that made! You know, one of these little lightweight. Um, I think it's a geared starter with yep. a permanent magnet motor. Yep. Wow. Uh, it's just a driver, so the purists won't like it. But I've got the original starter for it, uh, all rebuilt. But it, it would heat soak and not start, and uh, with that on it, it's starting up beautiful after it shuts down any length of time. So I just thought I'd pass that on for anybody else that's looking for a driver. Um, those Jake starters are wonderful. Plus, it saved about twelve pounds of weight.
0: You, you know what's you know what's really interesting, Mark. And I was thinking about this just this past week, is you start to look at. You know, just rebuilding components. You know, every repair shop has their guys they go to 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 get a starter rebuilt, an alternator rebuilt. Because we still do that on the rare occasion. We get the older car in, like a 67 Corvette or a 72 Monte Carlo, and we don't want to use something off the shelf. Because the stuff off the shelf for the older cars just isn't there. Well, you know, that, that local rebuilder. Uh, you know, it was it was started by the father back in the fifties and the sixties or the forties, and then it went over to the to the to the family. The son took it over or the daughter took it over, but now they're retired, and this generation, this next generation, isn't coming into the rebuilding of electrical component business like that. So you're seeing things mass produced like that, that Jeg starter, the Powermaster starter, uh, which I have to tell you from my experience is a very good starter also. And you, mm-hmm. you, you sit there and you say to yourself, what's left? Where will we be able to get parts for? Does it bother you as the owner of a Classic? Did you ever think of this one? You know, they talk about all electric cars in eight or ten years and doing away with gasoline. Does it bother you to think that maybe someday you won't be able to buy gasoline for that 67 Corvette to power it?
3: Well, I'm a flyer, too, so I could probably get gas for it because I don't think they're going to go to electric planes.
0: Yeah, that, good point.
3: It, oh. it uses leaded gas anyway, so it loves hundred octane low lead. That's right. Generally put it, they're going to be developing a non-leaded aviation gas hundred octane before long.
0: So. Are they really? Anyway, yeah.
3: Yep. Well, they they have to. EPA has given them a, a waiver for now, but uh, it's yeah. not going to last forever.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I wonder if airplanes have catalytic converters on them. I've never really thought about that. No, they no, they don't. No, no. they don't. I wonder if they, I wonder if they'll figure out a way to put them on. Oh, that would, yeah, that, that would be. I the don't know, line. but uh, oh.
3: I doubt it for a plane. Yeah, yeah. So, well, listen, you're doing. But I just the, wanted to let you know, and I appreciate and, it. Uh, let you know that the car came from your area. So, uh,
0: well, you're doing the right it's thing, brother, because car. you're driving it, and that's what. Um,
3: yeah, that's, that's right. It's the driver. That's what got it's all about.
0: That's what That's it's right. all about. You know? Okay,
3: well, thanks so. a lot, Ron, for your help. We you're, appreciate it. You're very welcome, Mark.
0: You take good care and have a good rest of the weekend. You too. Um, yeah, it's funny. You start looking back at the history of cars, and see, there's a car guy, because car guys have to know where the car came from. I My first 55, black one came from Tarrytown, New York, from the GM assembly plant. Black two came from the Tarrytown, New York assembly plant. Um, y- you know, you just, you just have to go and look that up, all right? The Monte Carlo came from the assembly plant down in Texas, not five miles from where I purchased it. I forget the name of it, but it's down Texas way. Uh, you know, funny things define where the cars come from. Did you know that if you look at a 55 Chevy, little known fact, if you look at a 55 Chevrolet, look at the speedometer. If the speedometer, if and I've never found this to be wrong, if the odometer inside the, inside the speedometer has a silver ring around it, It's an early production car. If it's just a black ring around it, it was a later production car. Some cars, and it seemed that the cars out west were more likely to have black numbers with a white background, and the cars out east would have white numbers with a black background. And just, I've seen them all different ways, but I've never found that to be incorrect either. It's just the weird things you learn looking at cars and um. You know where they come from, and I guess it's I guess it's important to you. You have to, you know, you have to know where it came from. So let's get over and talk to Dana, Northern Minnesota, 2013 F150. See what's going on here. Welcome to the Car Doctor. How can I help? Hey,
4: thanks for taking my call. You're welcome, sir. So yeah, I've got a uh, 2013 F150. I've got about 85,000 miles on it. Been a great vehicle, but intermittently, and this has actually been going on. Probably since about 20,000 miles, intermittently when you hit the, the key to start the engine, the start sequence does not initiate. And if, you, if you actually if you hold it long enough, it'll come up with uh, I think a start engine failure. Okay. But if you just let up and re and rehit it, it'll start.
0: So what is it? Is is this push button or turn key? Turn key. Okay. So you turn the key and, uh, and what happens? Nothing. Do you get? Does the?
4: The, um, the light. The lights will light up on the dash, you know, and all that, but nothing in the engine starts or nothing initiates. Doesn't crank, you know, nothing. Okay. Now <clears throat> I did take it into the dealer and they checked it once and they thought it was a bad ignition switch and they did put another. They put a new ignition switch in it and it mm-hmm. failed after that. But it was. It was at that then it was so intermittent. I mean, this we're talking maybe once a month okay and and it's it's beginning to fail more frequently now and uh i'm wondering is there a start relay
0: there should be but i tell you what i would do i tell you how i'd approach this has anybody scanned all the all the all the modules on the vehicle have you done a system scan no okay i would do a system scan i'd be looking for communication fault codes Specifically, mm-hmm. I'd be looking for a B as in boy thirteen nineteen. The other thing, I
4: what w- does that indicate?
0: Uh, that indicates a communication fault. Oh, okay. Um, me- meaning that one of the modules didn't talk, and specifically in the area of the body module itself, the BCM. And the, the other okay. thi- the other thing I'd be looking for is when it goes into this no start. I would take a look if there's a way to if there's a way to I would take a look right afterwards. I would take a look at the PCM data, things like fuel trim and some of the other uh, changeable parameters to see, did everything reset? Are they losing memory? Is it losing power? Or is this clearly some other, you know, a mechanical failure? What I'm I'm thinking about and what I'm trying to go the long way around the barn is, because the last thing I would do is look at a wiring diagram, and I would look at fuse 31 in the Underhood fuse box. If Fuse 31 is part of the start sequence on this vehicle, which I believe it is because I've seen this problem on not necessarily a 13. I've seen it on a 12 and an 11, all right, that Fuse 31 is going to have poor contact inside the fuse box. And I kind of remember something about a, a TSB that talked about rewiring and relocating Fuse 31 to a different part of the box. huh. Yeah. And if you if you pull the fuse out, identify which one is fuse thirty one, pull the fuse out, does it have a burn mark on it? I was just funny, I was just talking about that this past hour or the hour before. And you know, because of the current draw on the circuit. And that would make sense to me. And those are the things I'd be looking for first before I went and did anything else. I would not be Okay. I would not rule that out. That would not be completely uncommon or impossible. Um, fixed, fixed. I've fixed three vehicles in the last two years, exact same scenario when they were all F-150s. So,
4: so uh, is there a fairly inexpensive scan tool that I can get to check the scan codes, or is this something I need to take into a shop?
0: No, you need to take it into a shop because anything that's fairly inexpensive, anything at consumer level, for lack of a better way to put it, is just going to do obd2 it's just going to do basic engine faults whereas you need something that talks across all languages and all modules and all body lines um okay you know so it's yeah take it into a shop
4: probably is this probably going to be a dealer or uh, a decent shop
0: a decent shop any any technically competent you know repair facility all right, they don't. Sure. They don't have to have a Ford IDS. But uh, listen, I fix. I fix a lot of cars all day long with basic scan tools. I just, and I'm not that smart. I just. I just know where to look and I know how to read. And you know, I say that all yeah. the time. I, you know, and of course, somebody's gonna write me and say, "No, you're pretty smart." But whatever. Um, my point is, you don't have to be a genius. Sometimes you just got to apply yourself and um yeah you know and yeah i get a lot of shops i mean a lot of people ask me that you know can a dealer fix this can a regular shop fix this yeah a regular shop can fix it they just got to be smart enough to know where to look and how to read so but those are those are the things i'd be looking at as a matter of fact if you go out to i'm trying to think of where it is but somewhere on my facebook page ron and any in the car doctor you'll see i shot a little video or i took pictures of the burn mark of the fuse if you want to see what it looks like um but hmm. if not, just go look at fuse thirty-one. I'd be
4: I, fuse but, thirty-one.
0: But I would do the scan first because if you pull the fuse out, you pull the fuse to look at it. You may be erasing Fixing information. The yeah, early. yeah, yeah. You may be erasing information. So do it in the sequence that I explained it. All right, sir. Okay. And uh, we'll go from Thank there. you. You're welcome. You let me know, Dana. All right. righty. Take good care. Eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. Ron and Andy, the car doctor, coming right back. Don't go away. Welcome back. we on the end of The Car Doctor, 855 Keep that number in mind this week, because if you need me, give us a call, leave a message, and we'll call you back and put you in queue. Let's get over and talk to Terry, in Nebraska, 2017 Ford Escape, and some problems with ex- unintended acceleration. Terry, welcome to The Car Doctor. What's going on?
1: Yeah, thank you for taking the call. You're welcome, sir. I really didn't know. I, I'm getting no action here, but... Uh uh, it's a 2017 Ford Fusion that uh, I was waiting at a traffic signal, red light. The light was still red. I had my foot on the brakes and it was in drive. Suddenly the tachometer started rising and it- it- the motor was roaring and it started dragging me forward even though I had the brakes on with as much. As as with a hunch as I could, you know, right, the yeah, sure. pressure. And uh, uh, rather than let it drag me out into a four-lane highway at the rush hour, I did a, a sharp turn. This is from a standing stop. And I, I just uh, steered it away from the main highway and hit a power or the traffic pole that was holding up the signals. And they tell me it totaled the car. They had to take me... With, uh, to the hospital for a checkup because it was a matter of shock, I guess. I still can't hear out of one ear because of the explosion. But is that that possible for uh, the thing to move me away from a standing start with the brakes on? Boy, I guess I... lock brakes, uh, will they let you do that?
0: Well, I guess the answer to that would be is take a 2017 Fusion... Put your foot on the brake and put your other foot on the gas pedal and try and floor it and see if you can drag <laughs> against it. Uh,
1: he, he, he well, it did it for me. Right,
0: but you know, yeah. that, and, and and ultimately, but because I'm sure this will become a legal issue, it's it's that's probably where they're going to go. Uh, yeah, you know, I would
1: think, but yeah, they're dragging their feet. It happened July 29, and uh, uh, they tell me that uh, they can't uh, get anything out of the computer because it's damaged. Uh, Who's they? They uh, is the service department for the dealership. Uh that I bought it from nah, in Nebraska.
0: Do, do, do yourself a favor, Terry, if you haven't already, and I'm sorry, the clock's going to grab us, but I would elevate this to Ford Motor Company itself and make them aware they'll have engineering come out and take a look at that, because this to me is an engineering problem far above the dealership service department capability, and um, explain to them before this becomes a lawsuit, you're looking for some answers. Good luck, and let us know if there's anything else we can do. Uh, we'll try to do what we can for you. I'm Ron Annie in the car, doctor. Thanks for being here. Till the next time, good mechanics aren't expensive, they're priceless. See ya.